Kenichiwa Minisan. everybody and welcome to episode 49 of the Famicast. It's a very special show for you today. I am Jay Cheesy in the Heezy with my pal Ty Shugart. It's a me, Borat. <laughs> World's greatest uh, Mario Borat impersonator. And um, unfortunately Danny, <laughs> uh, Danny could not uh, be with us today. He's, um, he's going through some some hard times right now, and uh, I think he would appreciate uh, your thoughts. And uh, yeah, we obviously we miss him, and we hope he can come back for the next show. But um, in his place, we have a last-minute, well, two last-minute replacements who have graciously uh, allowed, well, come on the show. Uh, first of <laughs> the first of which is um, a voice maybe familiar to some people. It's the uh, Andrew Brown, the Australian correspondent at Nintendo World Report. Hello, Andrew. Good day, mates. Good eye. Um, let's have a bonza show, mate. And um, next to him, virtually, is uh, <laughs> another super secret special guest, unknown to anyone here <laughs> in the world. It's uh, Cyrus. <laughs> oh, uh, well. Cyrus, how's it going, man? It is going fantastically. So... The reason why Cyrus is on the show will become apparent very soon. And yes, Cyrus is his real name. It's not his hacker alias, by the way. Right? I'm assured that's his real name. Yeah, that's my real name. <laughs> it's an awesome real name, by the way. Thank you. So, um, yes. So let's get on with the show. And we're going to start with a very special game indeed. Yes. And Cyrus, you mm. have been playing something very new and very special, uh, to some people anyway. <laughs> it's um, Pokken Tournament. Is that what it's called, right? What? I thought it was Tekken 7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of these new character designs are a little controversial, but uh, I, I like the direction they went with this one. It's called Tekken Yellow, Yellow Edition. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is the arcade game based, well, it's Pokemon, but it's Tekken, hence Pokken, yep. and um, there was a location test, right, um, here in Japan, somewhere in Tokyo. Tai, where exactly in Tokyo? It was uh, Kawasaki. That's ah, where yes. we went. 
at the the Namco arcade they have there. Famous for motorbikes and uh, now Pokemon. Yeah, um, <laughs> I suppose so. So this was a public um, public event, right? Anyone could go. Yeah, you just uh, go there and get in line, and anyone can play the location test if they're willing to wait around for a little bit. Or as you called it, a pokation test. A poke test. <laughs> yes. I like pokation twist. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Episode title. Anyway, um, so <laughs> yeah, um, you guys, did you play at the same time together against each other? Um. It, the way it was set up, it was actually only against the computer, as far as I could tell. Cyrus, okay. did you see anybody playing against each other? No. So when you boot it up, it it brought you to like a, a network connection screen where it was searching for opponents, but then it just timed out after like five or six seconds and set you against a CPU opponent. Hmm. So we're not sure if that was like functional yet. Okay, so so uh, take take us through the demo then. How many characters were playable? Um, uh, was it good? <laughs> all, the, all the usual questions. Well, oh, first of all, uh, I enjoyed it. I had more fun than I expected. And um, there were six main playable characters. Uh, I believe Cyrus has uh, the flyer in hand. So, first correction of the day, there was only five characters. Oh, damn you, you were You were paying good attention to this test today. And, yeah, so there's five characters. There was Lucario... There slots on the character selection screen. Yeah, random select doesn't count. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, was, there was six Pokemon, or five. That was, like, uh, there was Suikin, there was Pikachu and Lucario, who were all, like... They were rated as the standard type characters. Right. Then, then Machamp was the the heavyweight character, and Gardevoir was the technical character. Right. Wow, you just said a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't understand. But um, I do recognize Machamp though. I think he was the original one, right? Original Pokemon. Yeah, like, Pikachu yeah, was too. He's OG. Pikachu, yeah. Which yeah, one's OG. Pikachu again? <laughs> he's the guy. He's like. Jun Mishima's father, I think? Or? Yeah, he's the Heihachi clone in this game. Ah. Uh, Doria! So, um, obviously, I'm a master at Tekken and Pokemon, so I know everything about both games. But for people who don't, um, does this play more like... What? Like, Does it play more like a Tekken game than... Oh, um, I'm not sure where to start. Well, It's, it's a very bizarre game. Let, let, let's okay. Well, first of all, there's like two different modes basically when you're fighting. Like when you're in close and when you're far away, the controls are completely different. Like um, when you're far away, it's almost kind of like a over-the-shoulder view where you you're using ranged attacks. Like if you've seen that Gundam arcade game that all the kids are into these days, right? Uh, it, it feels a little like that. And then when you get in close, it's more like uh, Tekken or that Naruto fighting game that I love, Clash of Ninja. 10 out of 10? Yeah, 10 out of 10. Great game. Um, That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, uh, let's talk about the controls, and maybe you can kind of mentally envision how this game plays. So... 
Yeah, I've seen the. Did you tweet it out, or somebody tweeted out the picture of the the cabinet? So it has like a like a game controller, right? Like yeah. You, you can hold in your hands. Not it's not a stick and buttons like usual, right? Right, right. It's a big old controller with like Super Nintendo layout buttons, pretty much. Yeah, I think but it was. It was more or less a Super Nintendo layout. Yeah, four face buttons and L and R. Yeah. But it was like it's weird it's, start button in the middle. Oh yeah, that's right. But it's like welded to the cabinet. It's not like a an extendable wire. Or no, anything, it, right? it was on a pretty thick cable. Yeah, it's like those display stands that you see in some supermarkets or game shops, where the controller can be moved up and down and around a bit, but it's it is firmly a part of the machine, but you can move it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, if I remember the control scheme, maybe Cyrus can help me out a bit here. Okay, like, A is jump, then I guess X and Y, like, the left and top buttons are, like, your light attacks and your heart attacks. And then, I guess it was B, the button on the right is, like, your Pokemon powers or your power moves or whatever. And then there's L and R. And L is your assist, and R is guard. And if you push them both together, you get a burst. Yeah, that's pretty much it. The, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's like I never actually used the special Pokemon attack button. I just realized I never pushed that button while I was playing. I did. I I'm I mashed it from time to time. Uh, I tried to hit everything at least once to get a feel for how it works. Like, I, I used the assist. They, they seem very limited in how often you can use them, so you have to really pick your shots yeah. there. It looked like there was maybe like a 5 to 10 second charge time every time you wanted to use the assist. You had to wait for it to stack back up again. Yeah, so it's not like Marvel where you can like keep calling them. You have to be a bit choosy about it. They do seem to be pretty powerful, though. They've got these big like area of effect attacks that stagger oh, the yeah, opponent. They, yeah, they covered a lot of real estate. Hmm. So are the the trainers involved in in this? I, I'm sure I saw some screens of like some human opponents or human people in the game. They appear a lot, but they don't really do anything. Yeah, they just seem to be there. So they'll probably come into it. Maybe you can customize your trainer, or having different trainers gives you different abilities or something. But yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's like uh, I think. Initial D, like the newer ones, like from version 4, you can make your own portrait mm. in the, the classic uh, anime style of Initial D. And like, yeah. if you could put yourself in as a Pokemon trainer with the, the same art style, that would be interesting. The, I, thing, the thing that was interesting was that they seem to be like adults, not children. The, yeah. the, trainers, the trainers, right? I didn't notice that, but yeah, that is true. They were all much older than the standard like ten-year-old trainers that you play as. Yeah, so, and uh, the Pokemon they... themselves looked a bit rougher and tougher than the usual suspects. Yeah, it's... they're like fully textured. You can see like all the, the muscle texturing on Machamp. Yeah, yeah, and the fur and the dirt. Like, yeah. I'm not sure you, you're gonna see it unless you look at a really high dev video. But the Pokemon do look a little meaner in this game. Even, like, Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, like, no no joking. Like, Pikachu, he wasn't lying when he said he was a clone of Heiachi Mishima from Tekken 7. He has a lot of Heiachi's attacks in this game. 
Win Godfist, Doria. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm not quite sure how to feel about that. So, <laughs> so you're saying Pikachu is ripped? As ripped as Pikachu gets. Yeah. He looks very angry on this flyer I'm looking at here. So, are they really going for, like, the adult audience with this? Or, like, are they trying to get get everybody? Yeah, I think they're aiming for at least, like, older than the Pokemon DS games, definitely. Yeah, most of the people there seem to be, you know, not kids. Even though it was very much an arcade that catered to kids pretty hard. So, is it... uh, They're making a Tekken 7. Yeah. Right? So, this is not, like... Instead of it, so it's like you know, Tekken people are going to be happy with that, right? Tekken Seven. So, why are they trying to get more people to to play like, this? I mean, I, because I they like money. <laughs> yes, and uh, and Pokemon plus fighting game is a dangerous, dangerous financial combination. Right. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just imagining the Venn diagram. You know, Pokemon fans, Tekken fans, and then you know the. The part that where the two circles connect is very, very small. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk about this for a second. Uh, on the way out, there was like a survey you could fill out, and uh, there were questions on like, like what kind of games do you mainly play? What is your age range? Right. So I feel like this location test was not so much to test the game, but you know, to to test the demographics. Which oh, is completely, which is completely skewed because it's just, you know, otaku nerds who know about this event, and you know, kids are not going to go to it, right? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. So that'll be useless information. But uh, there you go. But, Have they uh, actually showed this on on a Nintendo Direct or anything outside of the obscure screenshots that have? Uh... They they had a they had some streams and stuff earlier this week. Yeah, it was a Famitsu stream. It wasn't Nintendo Direct, but it was like heavily advertised Famitsu thing. Yeah, mm. and I believe uh, Harada was th- there, wasn't he? Hmm. Or am I wrong? No, he was there. Okay. Famitsu, you say? Hmm. Yeah, and ha- that, Harada is the main Tekken guy. So I don't know how hands-on he is with this game. I hope it's a lot. Yeah, but I know that Namco and Nintendo have been kind of buddying up a lot recently because they also worked on Smash Bros. together. Right, right. Yep. That's right. And uh, let's not forget the Nintendo stuff that was shoehorned into Tekken Tag 2. Shoehorned, <laughs> it was built around that. Tekken just formed around that amazing collaboration. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, he- Heihachi was born to wear a Princess Peach dress. <laughs> True story. Awesome. So, you guys sound really into it. I'm really surprised, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a bizarre game. Like, it's it's not like many games that I've played before, and it's definitely trying to cash in on those over-the-shoulder games that are crazy popular in arcades at the moment. Which Oh, yeah, that actually that reminds me. Is there any... NFC or like card compatibility with this thing, or is it is it just a straight up just you know put the coin in and play? And that's oh, it. you can totally use yeah. NFC tech with it. This is what I was talking to Ty earlier at the te- test about was that you like most arcade games, you can swipe your profile card on the machine and it'll store your profile and everything. Mm-hmm. And it looked like you can level up your Pokemon in a few ways. They had a few stats on the end screen that looked like they were changing. Right. But okay. also, since uh, 
since Amiibo also run on NFC chips, I'm wondering if Nintendo are going to try some crazy arcade pairing with this coming forward. Interesting, because that would limit the amount. Because, you know, if they had, like, a full-on NFC Pokemon game, that, that opens the floodgates to, like, 700 you know, little figures, right? Oh, but yeah, if they yes. if they limit if they limited this to this one game, you know, you know, however many characters there are going to be, whatever, 20, 30 yeah. characters, you know, then that's more, you know, manageable, isn't it? Mm, that's what I was thinking. That this this looks like it could be a very good flagship Pokemon title for for amiibo purposes. Yeah, I can see it now. There's going to be the machines for Pokemon tournament, and then right next to it, there's going to be the Gachapon machines where you get the figurines to use for it mm. in every one of these arcades, and yeah, uh, it's causing nightmares. Before so, so Andrew, when you say Gachapon, you mean you mean like electronic like the, the stores cap- selling them for ten? The capsule machines where you get the randomized figurine, and and you got to keep putting them in, and then you get five doubles, and then you've got to go out and <laughs> buy them on eBay, and no, just if- like in Shenmue. <laughs> No, no, if, if they go in the Amiibo route, then they would be, you know, whatever, $15 or whatever, right? So, mm. so Nintendo oh, actually yes. addressed that earlier on in a, about Amiibos, too. Is that I'm kind of, I'm a little obsessed about, like, Amiibos and Disney Infinity, so I apologize for nerding out on this stuff. But uh, Nintendo said that they would, they're not 100% going to make figures for Amiibo, that later on down the line they might bring out smaller figures or right, trading right. cards with NFC yeah, chips. They, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, trading cards could work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that sh- this should be interesting. I mean, when I saw the arcade machine had the controller thing, that just pretty much nailed it. I was like, yep, this is coming to the Wii U. Oh and, yeah, one hundred percent. Hundred percent. And this is gonna. Well, obviously the Japan will be the uh, the test bed. You know, trying out the uh, the arcade and. Uh, home console connectivity or whatever, but I could easily see this going to the West. You know, maybe just the console version comes out in the West, because you know arcades not doing so hot elsewhere, right? Mm. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I would definitely see this. Um, yeah, maybe not this year, but um, maybe early next year we could see this uh, even in the West. I think. You know, all the menus are all like they're localized already to English. So, oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. all the a lot, not all of the game text, but a lot of the game text comes up in English when you at this location test already. Interesting. Well, it'd be interesting if they did a world ride release like they have done for the regular Pokemon games recently. So, um, yeah, interesting. This is cool. This is cool. This is uh, world exclusive coverage here. I don't think any. Yeah, this is hot is off the presses. This is hot. Yeah, shots fired at 8-4 play. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, we Get on our play. level. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very cool. And um, so is is it already over, this uh, location test? Or no, is... you can go on down tomorrow if you want. It's through the weekend. <laughs> so... Yes, for people listening, travel back in time and travel to Japan, and you can play it. And if you're one of the first hundred people there tomorrow to fill out the survey, you get a special profile card. Awesome. <laughs> That's a profile card as in a literal like piece of card? Or? Yeah, the, well, the NFC uh, like profile data card. I think tomorrow... Is that like the... Uh... 
the account cards for the Mario Kart arcade where it, so, it stored your items that you had on file and yeah same thing so but this this one will have like a Pikachu on the card or something so well to be clear I don't think it's NFC right is it one of those flexible kind of metallic cards no it's a, it's a, it's a, I think they do run on standard NFC chips it's like a solid like a oh, like a credit okay. card okay okay I get you I get you yeah I've seen those with um, the oh crap uh, Yokai watch Arcade machine, right? Yeah, and that, that uh, whatever the masked ranger or all those kind of crap uh, NFC games you see kids play <laughs> in in Japan. Junior kids high school kids and weird adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love going into those stores. Those times where it's like a stream of twenty kids all lined up waiting for the machine, and that one big dude just like hogging the machine for 20 minutes at a time, sorting out his collection. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, um, is that all you guys want to talk about, uh, Pokken? Um, I, uh, two small notes. Uh, I love the throw range in this game. It's huge. It's like Street Fighter 2 Turbo is back. <laughs> it's going to make some people mad. And um, the other thing is that there's kind of like a focus attack kind of mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you played Street Fighter 4, you know, you can hold both mediums and you do, like, an attack that'll, like, absorb, like, one oncoming attack with armor and then you let it go. And it has a system kind of like that where you can do that to, like, just smash, like, you know, normal attacks, but it's vulnerable to throws and then throws will lose to normal attacks. It's all in the brochure. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it here. Yeah, we should get that scanned in and get it on the site. I'll definitely I'll get this scanned in as soon as I can and have it, uh, I'll post it on. Yeah. Awesome. Throw it up on Twitter. Yeah, but before we move on from this, I'll just do a quick rundown of my, of the kind of general mechanics of it, is that the, the two game modes we mentioned before, it's like long distance and then when it you get up close, it switches to a kind of a Tekken game. So it almost feels like the long distance is designed, you're supposed to like dash around the place and kind of yeah, stagger like, your I was, opponent. I was doing these massive side dodges like all over the place at mm-hmm. distance, and then like I couldn't even like do a GIMP Tekken side dodge in close. I was like, I couldn't figure out what, what I was doing. I don't know if I can side dodge in close. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I think it's just forward and back once it goes to once you get up close to them. Yeah, so, so that's interesting. Very interesting, very jarring to you do to be, for the first time. Yeah, you have to be keenly aware of how the game changes close and far away and also when that change takes place. There's like a, a dramatic camera angle change hmm. when you get in close, so it's, I think it's kind of easy to tell when, plus if you're good at gauging distances, you know, you'll so be okay. I, I, so in the two-player match, you know, obviously at the arcade you could have two machines linked up to each other. You have your own screen. So when that right. change happens, you know, it's only on your screen, right? But uh, on a console, would that have to be split screen or would it only online only? Or yeah, I can imagine it only working either split screen or one person on the Wii U pad and one person on the TV. Ah, there you go. I, I think it could work on the same screen if the camera zooms way out. 
it'll be kind of difficult for the guy in the distance because their controls will be reversed because the camera is looking at them. I, I think, like, if I if I was designing this, I I think <laughs> I would uh, zoom the camera out to the, the side. If like, I was if I was designing it, I would do a split screen right down the middle just to piss Ty off. Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna sandbag you with a sock full of quarters. Vertical <laughs> uh, split screen for yeah. the win. Like if you played on uh, Naruto Clash of Ninja. On on that fucking bridge stage, you know oh, how yeah, far. That, that, yeah. You know how far that game zooms out, so. Yeah, Naruto I, doesn't have a split screen for two player, and it works fine, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, Smash Brothers too, right? <laughs> that just yeah, keeps but zooming Smash out. Brothers isn't 3D. It doesn't have 3D movement. True. Yeah, and this does, and that's super important. So yeah. it's it's not unique this this um, kind of changing of camera angles and styles within one match, right? That's you're saying it's in other games. Um, I think changing the gameplay entirely in close and far is new. At least yeah, it feels pretty unique. I've never seen anything like it before, anyway. Maybe some nerd will come out of the woodwork with yeah. his obscure game. So, uh, so each style individually has been done before, but the fact that you go between them in the middle of a match feels very weird and new. Yeah, and I, I wonder if like some players are going to like excel in different areas, or if different Pokemon... I'm sure different Pokemon are going to be better at close and far away. It felt but, like Gardevoir was way better farther away than she was up close. Yeah, and I played Pikachu, and he seemed kind of... Kind of good in, in either one. And I, I'm willing to bet that Machamp is going to be garbage at far range and like fantastic at close range. Mm. So, so it may hinge on your choice of Pokemon and your personal skill set. Yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd say that's definitely the kind of mechanic they're they're aiming for with this weird switch. So is this easy enough for like young kids to play, or do they need their, their parents I, to help them set it up? <laughs> uh, I I think they'll be okay. They may take more than one game to get used to it. Yeah, it seemed very button mash friendly. Like you do stuff, you get these big intense hit stun attacks. Oh it's yeah, the, really the hit stun is amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> like just... every hit is like a super move when you get up close. I can just imagine these like these Tekken pros just coming in to like kids' arcades and destroying all these. Kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm really actually wondering about is because this like it's a Pokemon game in arcades, so yeah, it's gonna be kids playing, but it's a fighting game, and those people are mean. Yep. <laughs> go big or go home. Yeah. Don't talk about Ty when he's here. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like kids' arcades are usually quite, you know, they're different, aren't they? They're, they're usually attached to a shopping center. Yeah. Um, they're not usually, you know, not in a, Yeah, Aki like Harbor, the one they were location testing this one in. Yeah, this one was literally in a supermarket. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, because, you know, the, the Akihabara arcades, obviously, they're, you know, multi-story. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're chain-smoking gaming nerds <laughs> playing yeah. fighting games with a cigarette hanging out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in one of these these Namco arcades before, and any time I've ever seen them, they're always attached to a cinema. So they're these are definitely casual arcades. Right, right, yeah. 
The yeah, I mean, most of it was UFO time. catchers. Yeah, <laughs> UFO catchers. Which you do play a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. His luck was not with him today, I'm afraid. Yeah. I didn't play that much. I played a couple, and it was rough. Hey, if you're playing the Famicast drinking game, Ty talked about crane games. Drink! Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's actually a pretty good segue there. Um, I was thinking about bringing up this new badge collection thing for the, uh, the Japanese 3DS. How, has this been discussed on the show before? Um, we, did we did talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. I'm spending I... way too much money on this thing. Oh, you Who have, is? You have a Japanese, yeah. you have a Japanese uh, yeah, 3DS? I have the One Piece one that came out uh, a while back. Yeah, well, they just released some new badges based on something. Uh, uh, swap notes. I'll swap note, yeah. Wasn't it One the, Piece the or something? Collections. Was right, it? Right, right. Uh, there's something released. I kind of ignore it now. You know, I'm just I'm getting annoyed by that thing, and I'm going to delete it soon because it just spams my notifications with, you know, there's new badges based on something. You know, you can play for free today. You know, things like that. Starting to annoy me. Like my entire notification list is that now. But, wow! Um, wh- Just why- like that South Park episode. <laughs> why, why did you want to talk about it, Andrew? Do you you like it? You pay money? Please tell me you don't pay money towards this thing. Uh, I think you uh, said and, he did. And if I do, <laughs> <laughs> cut the stream. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, think, um, I think Danny Danny paid money towards it, right? I I don't know. I thought he only played or played the freebies, maybe. Yeah, I I've only played the freebies, and you know when that annoying rabbit tells me there's more free plays, and then I have a go, and then uh, don't play it again. But yeah, it's I I it's, am completely OCD about this sort of thing. I am in every way a completionist, and there are badge sets uh, in this game that I don't want, but. Then I see ones with characters that I like. I mean, I was a big fan of the the swap note thing back when it was still live, and uh, and uh, Nikki herself is a, an adorable character. She should be uh, uh, integrated into say Miiverse or something. However, um, yeah, this is uh, this is really eating away at me uh, in terms of <laughs> this sort of thing. When I, whenever I see the new things, I have to at least throw in a, a 10 slot uh, go at this. And, uh, yeah, I really, uh, oh, this is, yeah, this is just uh, sinking further and further, isn't it? Well, the thing is, I'm getting all these, these badges, but I don't actually do anything with them. I don't actually decorate my home screen with them, you know? It's, um, you know, it's kind of fun to play the crane game and get stuff, but then... You know, I'm not really one that likes decorating things, <laughs> my home home screen or whatever. So um, hmm. I don't really do anything with them. Do you do things with the badges once you get them? 
Uh, yeah, he seemed to, to change it around uh, once every couple of weeks there. Um, they really should have some sort of integrated uh, menu option where you can store like a favorite layout that you've got set up and then swap between them like they have with the, uh, the new themes where you can select your favorite themes and have that rotate through those on a, like a daily basis or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have mine to rotate. On all the just the basic colors, so every time I turn it on, it's a different color, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, have you been playing any real games, Andrew? Indeed, I have. Um, I just finished Captain Toad last night, I believe. Uh, the Ty, Ty, did you end up picking that up or? Uh no, not yet. Uh, oh, I seem to remember you saying you would. Yeah, I was interested. Okay. I'm interested in this, to quote Alucard from Simply the Night. I'm, I'm the Captain Toad Amiibo. No, thanks. <laughs> hey, you said that last episode. You said you wanted to get that one. Did I? The set, the, the game and the... And the oh, yeah, set. there is a set. Yeah, yeah. the set, maybe. From the Super Mario series. It's not, it's not out yet, I don't think, but it's coming. Uh, in a couple of weeks away, yeah. If they make me a deal, I can't refuse. <laughs> Put it in a crane game. There we go. So, um, but yeah, the uh, this is really interesting for me. In general, I despise Toad as a character, and I, I <laughs> really could never have imagined that I would ever want to actually pay money or purchase a game that starred around Toad. And then when I, I first saw it at the, the Nintendo Direct where they revealed it, uh, I thought, wow, I, I have to have this. I love the Captain Toad levels in the 3D world. And as an overall experience, this this pushes on from what, what the original game presented. And it's it's such a lovely, enthralling game that I I played it for a solid week. I, I'm, like I said, I'm a completionist. I had to get 100%. And... It is a, a thoroughly rewarding experience from start to finish, and I really loved uh, the amount of charm and variety and the bright colors and everything in relation to this game was, was on a whole, almost as enjoyable as uh, 3D World was itself, which uh, if any listeners uh, remembered my review from 3D World uh, when it, that launched, oh, it's over a year ago now, um, I gave that uh, 10 out of 10. This was possibly the ultimate Mario experience for me. And Captain Toad is just the perfect companion game to this. It even uh, it even has like a, a story transition where it works out that the, the game is actually acting as a prequel for the events that took place in 3D World, which is a great uh, internal marketing tactic in that regard. But yeah. um, Well, that was good because I, uh, I really wanted to know more about the story behind Mario. Oh, of course. It's it, it's such a such an in-depth uh, character exploration. Right so there. they were just talking about this game on on RFN, right? And they, uh, I think it was Johnny was saying how you know towards the end it kind of maybe kind of peters out. It's like recycling a lot of content. I mean, like in in many 3D Mario games, you know, like the last I wouldn't say five percent, ten percent of each 3D Mario game, there's they kind of throw in a lot of bullshit, like you get the purple coin collection, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of bullshit recycling, that kind of gets a bit tedious, 
you know, play the same level again, but, you know, blindfolded, um, things like that. Um, Do you think it suffered from that, or was it good? Not, right not the so end? much. There, uh, without going into too much spoilers and stuff, there are some recycled levels with some new challenges involved in, in towards the end, but it's kept to a, a minimum in regard okay. to that. The, the, the whole experience is, is pretty short. I mean, if you just want to play right through without, uh, without trying to uh, see everything there is to see, you can get the whole thing done within, say, 8 to 10 hours tops. Um, that said, there is a significantly difficult reward for those who do go and uh, complete all the challenges, and uh, I, I'd say at least a quarter of the, t the overall time I spent playing the game was trying to complete this, this final mission that unlocks. It's uh, really worth jumping into if you, uh, if you have the, uh, the balls, so to speak. <laughs> To, to attempt this this final thing that's uh, yeah I'm I'm really at a loss for for being able to explain it without uh, heavily going into the spoilers involved but um, no that's cool man are, and are you gonna yeah. get the toad amiibo to get the extra stuff um possibly are you an are you an like amiibo by the way indeed I uh, I just picked up wave three the other day I um. Whoa, 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 whoa! We can't throw around a sentence like that. You picked up wave. <laughs> you picked up wave, wave three. That's like wave three. That was like twelve. Wait, no. Jesus was it? Was it ten? Don't in, ask me. I, in I don't wave three, remember. there was uh, eleven. Eleven. Oh, right. oh God! Oh God! There's two of you. Oh, great I, day I in the morning. The, uh... <laughs> I'm I'm more of a a casual amiibo. I'm more of a, an amiibo enabler than. Actually, bro. <laughs> so you you just give them to people who you know can't really afford it. So yeah, you, I, you, people you the, 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 the amiibo challenge. I like to uh, I like to fulfill <laughs> their their longings. They can't they can't I... really afford it, but you get it for them anyway. So they got the debt looming over them. Yeah, and, <laughs> and those that, that aren't lucky enough to like arrive in store seconds after it opens and all the amiibo disappear off the shelves. Japan is not quite as hit by the amiibo drought as badly as some other places. Oh, so you're a scalper? No, I'm I'm a I'm a a friendly salesman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all drug dealers say. All of them say it. <laughs> so, um, so sorry, Andrew. What was the answer? Yes. Well, yeah. Obviously, yes. Yeah, I I have more of these things than I have the shelf uh, the shelf space to accommodate. Thereof, um, yeah, I've been grabbing. Uh, I didn't originally want to collect the entire series until such a point where it became known that these things sell out, and Nintendo likely doesn't plan to uh, re-release several of them, and that opened the floodgate. Did, there's, do, there's no do you keep them from there. Do you keep them in the box? Yes. Thank you to uh, to Justin Baruby at Nintendo World Report for uh, instilling this upon me. Um, yeah, there's there's a way in which you can uh, alter the packaging to make them scannable for use in the games without actually taking them out of the packaging. Oh, I did not know that. Well, it involves cutting the box open. Yeah. It, it so. involves like making one incision and then like peeling ah, yeah. up the little 
uh, metallic tab at the bottom and that, and then you can scan them and use them while they're in their packaging, and they still look nice on the shelf as, like, a display thing. Yeah, in, in yeah. defense of the packaging, the, the Amiibo packaging is some of the nicest packaging I've ever seen on a, on a figure. I don't, very, I don't, especially very for such a, such a, like, a spur-of-the-moment fad product that they've yeah. just thrown out there. Yeah, they they really do pull out all the stops in regards to that. I don't really remember it because I just ripped it open and threw it in the bin <laughs> on uh, Christmas Day. You're one of those people. <laughs> the one that I have, yes. Hmm. Um, cool. So um, we'll yeah we'll we'll come back to you, Andrew, because um, there's there's a game that you and Ty can talk about in a bit, right? I got a couple of games to talk about. Um, the first of which is a Wii U game. Uh, came out quite a long time ago. Um, highly recommended by uh, RFN editor Guillaume. It's uh, Lego City Undercover for the Wii U, and um, I got this uh, via uh, X Fami Dude Don Koopman. Um, thank you very much, Don. Um, so yeah, I got this uh, downloaded. So. Instantly, my hard drive disappeared on the Wii U because <laughs> it's like 18 gigabytes and you only get whatever, 23 or whatever's left after the uh, OS uh, updates and everything, right? So, yeah, um, I, I haven't got that far into it. Um, maybe, I don't know, just a few hours into it. But, yeah, I really, really like it. I think it's um, – it was, was it a launch game? Am I remembering that correctly? Um. I don't think so. Remind Boss. me, which game are you talking about again? Uh, it was Le within the first few months. Lego City Undercover. Grand Theft Auto Lego Edition. Oh, yeah, great game. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just tunes in? <laughs> I'm sure that exists. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. I mean, this was published by Nintendo, and it's it really has got, like you know, an amazing, you know, quality to it. I mean, I've played a few Lego games in the past and instantly been bored by them because it just involves, you know, hitting stuff and rebuilding stuff and going down a corridor to the next thing where you do the same thing again. But, you know, the open world nature of it, I mean, it is still, you know, it's story-based. You do have objectives to go to, but, you know, you can just, you know, dick around in the city and it's just a beautiful city and it's so well realized like so many things to see it's um it looks great um, i was kind of surprised by that i mean it's the best looking lego game i i've ever seen well i'm sure there are better looking ones on ps4 now but whatever on the wii u um <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's uh it's really good and i think the story i mean the thing that attracted to me the things that guillaume was talking about that it was um, it was funny, you know. I like funny games, and yeah, it is it is pretty funny. I mean, 
it has a kind of um, you know 80s cop movie kind of vibe to it. You know, with the police captain yelling at everyone and that kind of thing. You know, I kind of dig that kind of stuff. And um, and it's got loads of references to like movies which kids would not get. Um, so it it is obviously meant to be like you know the dad and the child playing it together. You know, people enjoying it on different levels. You know, I'm not playing it with my kid because I <laughs> I, don't, I only play games when he's asleep. But um, I could I could see him when he gets a bit older. I could see him uh, really liking this game, and I would be happy to play that play it with him. Um, I could see both of us being entertained with it. Uh, it's a very good game. Um, and the other well, I talked about Shovel Knight last time. Um, that's still awesome. Um, I promised Ty that I would have an update how Smash plays with the Wii U Pro, because I, yes, I still don't have a GameCube adapter. Yes, okay. Ty, Ty, you can laugh at me. <laughs> I uh, I was actually at this store today asking again, and again I got the same answer. I actually won the clerk. I said, hey, don't let any douchebags buy more than one of these things. And they said, okay. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Maybe they didn't realize that you know they were selling for you know twenty times their retail value, and so maybe next week, who knows? Um, but yeah, I've been playing Smash with the Wii U Pro, and um, it's pretty good. I mean, the button layout isn't exactly what I like. I mean, I've custom, I've I've changed my custom controls maybe like three times now, trying to get it down to what I like, and I think I've. I think I've got it to an acceptable layout now, but I still really miss the GameCube controller now. Oh, yeah. Did I get around to complaining about the Smash Bros. controls last time? Uh, on the GameCube controller? or Yeah, on every controller, on basically. <laughs> okay, go on then. Complain away. Okay, Um. well, for starters, the way Tilt moves really don't make sense. Uh, they should just add another attack button for, like, the strong or medium attacks or whatever you want to call them. So you're not accidentally jumping or smashing or whatever. It would just make sense just to have it on another button because there are two jump buttons by default and you don't need <laughs> two That's jump true. buttons. Right, yeah, right. in fact, like, next time I remember, I'm just going to map the tilt moves to the C-stick because that makes a lot more sense. Uh, and the other thing is, um, it's kind of annoying to do a short jump, and like when you're good at games, uh, short jump is like the primary jump you're gonna use. So instead of like just trying to flick the jump button and potentially fucking it up, they should just have a separate uh, short jump button. I get you. You mean yep. you, you just gotta like you really just gotta lightly tap it right to do a short jump? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, like like to a point where it's like arbitrarily difficult, and when it doesn't really have to be. Yeah, I know what you mean. Actually, yeah, that's right. I'm assuming you take you, you turn off up uh, up to jump, right? Yeah. Yeah. I might turn it back on to see if it works better. Well, after I like map the tilts to the C stick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I always have serious trouble having up to jump and doing up tilts. They're like, they, they overlap way too much. 
Yeah, that, that's why we turn it off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's I, I would like to use just like the analog stick and then like have a row of like, you know, arcade Sanwa buttons to use. In in melee you couldn't turn off up to jump, right? No you could. I wait no, you couldn't brawl. I don't remember if you could in no, melee. No, I don't think you could in melee. Melee didn't have no, much I think in you the can. way. Like I was reading yeah. the the interview with the uh, Hungry Box on event hubs that went up earlier, and he was talking about that. I think he said he turned it back on, so I believe you can set that in melee. You're not talking about Project M, right? I'm talking about just regular melee. Yeah, I'm talking about melee. That's like the one that competitive players play. So okay. yeah. I, I'm going to say that you can't turn off up to jump. On okay. Metal. Well, I, I think you can. My memory is fuzzy. <laughs> I mean, I should be playing Melee all the time for my, you know, elite fight game status <laughs> or whatever. But I don't. I don't even have a CRT. So... But you, um, I'm, on, I'm on Smash boards here, and they say you can't turn it off in Melee. You can't or can? You cannot turn it off in Melee. Oh, okay, weird. All right. Brawl laughing at Brawl players for cheating. What? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Ty, you, you owe me a drink. Um, yeah, I do. So, um, yeah, but Wii U Pro, it works really well for Mario Kart 8. It's, like, way better for that game. Um, oh, okay. It's uh, yeah, that's how it should be played. <laughs> it kind of uh, feels silly to go back to the gamepad, you know. It's just like this humongous controller. Um, but yeah, Wii U Pro, great for Mario Kart 8, and it's all right for Smash. Okay. Um, the hunt continues. So next up, uh, Andrew, I believe you have a game that you and Ty are heavily into. They've been playing this Yes, that's right. I mean, it, it came out a little while ago, but I've only just recently been able to really sit down and sit my teeth into the uh, the Phoenix Wright trilogy for the 3DS eShop. Um, basically, from what I understand, the Japanese version of this was, was slightly different. Uh, uh, that it added 3D layering to the original uh, DS ports of the game and then had some sort of... Uh, well, basically, it was just a compilation of the original DS versions of the game with a, uh, a 3D layering effect added. But the, the North American release of the game appears to have used the HD uh, artwork from the mobile app version of the games. Huh. Is, is that something you guys can confirm? Have you played or, or have you... Do you know of how it was in Japan? Well, for starters, it was originally a GBA game. Well, well, yeah. Get trolled. <laughs> uh, other than that, no, I don't know anything about the 3D ports because I played the games when they came out on DS and didn't buy them again. 
Oh, right. It's uh, like the, what, the fourth or the fifth re-release since yeah. the original GBA versions. Yeah. I can really love uh, quadruple dipping in regards to this series. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone should play this game, absolutely. Hmm, 100%. The, the, all of the Phoenix games have definitely some of my fondest games on the, on the various consoles they've been re-released on. I would go so far as to say that this uh, collection on the 3DS is the uh, ultimate version of the the trilogy of games, or of the original trilogy of games. There, uh, not only is it the uh, the original games all in their uh, entirety, they also added the DLC chapter that was, uh, I think, it was originally included in the DS port of the uh, original game, Phoenix Wright: Ace Attorney. Right. Uh, yeah, it was. That's right. Uh, they there's the the retouched artwork, which looks stunning. It has the three D layering effects that uh, it really doesn't uh, add a great deal of. Uh, it doesn't feel like new content. I mean, it's the same games that you've played uh, an upteenth amount of times before, and you, you if you know the story, you'll still remember a lot of it. And I love a lot of it, but it really does make say the court scenarios pop with the text panel showing up slightly in front of the characters who show up slightly in front of the backgrounds and so forth. It, it really has a, a nice little uh, extra feel to the way it works. Um, I'm happy to say that the Japanese language option from the original DS ports of the, the GBA games has been uh, reinstated into this collection. Cool. And they have finally fixed the spelling and grammar mistakes that have plagued the series on every... <laughs> since they the original... The yes, for the most part. I found one typo, and I'm two-thirds through the, the second game in the trilogy at this point in time. And it's... It, given that people have been making fun of these, uh, these errors since the, the series originally came to the West... This is this is a big accomplishment. Every previous re-release, people would be on message boards saying, "Did they at least fix the the typos? Did they did they stop the judge saying when I was in a child?" And oh. that sort of thing. It's it's finally <laughs> corrected, and I don't know. I am I'm a bit of a grammar Nazi, but this is a big Good. thing for me. Um, the the overall package of this is just such a complete and perfect experience that if you haven't played the Phoenix Wright trilogy before, go out to the eShop, buy this right now. If you, if you, you haven't played the Phoenix Wright original trilogy, you're basically subhuman garbage. <laughs> I'll agree to that. Alright, I got a question about this version. Yeah. Did they, did they remaster the music or anything? No. Okay. They, it is still the original music from the, the like DS version. A GBA game. A little bit chiptoony. I think it's a little bit cleaner than the the DS ports. Okay. So and it, it works really nice with headphones, but uh, yeah. Besides that, um, as I know a, there were some weird. There was like some un, like I don't know why they made these changes, but there was some music changes with this trilogy. Like I know that. The Pearls, her theme is... They changed it to a different song from her original theme. Wow. I and, didn't uh, notice this. Mm, it, it, I think it's a fairly similar kind of pearly song that she has, but it's not her original one. Huh. I'm going to go research that later. Mm. 
Yeah, I hit up some YouTubes. There's a few other things, like the animation quality on some of the sprites has actually been reduced for some reason. Um, just other I, random little things like that. I did notice that some of the like static loops where the characters weren't particularly doing anything, sometimes I had a few little extra frames of animation. Mm-hmm. Like, say, for example, Maggie, the, the police girl at the start of the second game, she would like glance upwards while her, doing her depressed sort of downward sheepish look thing that she did. I didn't notice they the, that that was present in this game, and I thought, huh, maybe with the the retouched artwork they removed that, or maybe it was th- due to uh, uh, size constraints for the the eShop release or or what have you. Um, that said, the art is a lot cleaner than it was on my, at least that I can vouch for on the, the mobile version of the games. I mean, I, I did purchase the first game in the trilogy on that as a comparison. With the added effect of the 3D layering and such, it really does make the 3DS version much nicer than even that, so to speak. I have Just... never played the Phoenix Wright game. What? Well, oh, subhuman you... garbage. We found one. Oh man, sock full of quarters. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, like these games really were like some of definitely the highlights of my DS games. And I pumped like six hundred hours into Pokemon Pearl. So when I say these games are amazing, play them, please. James, next time I see you, if you haven't played them, I'll totally loan you like the first one or two of them. I think I have them here. I'll have to check. T-L-D-R. God damn it. <laughs> That's my response to these games. That's it. I know here. Anyway, um, thanks for that, guys. I'm sure someone appreciated that. <laughs> Podcast title. <laughs> James is a Philistine. <laughs> So we're going to run down the new releases here in Japan uh, for the mid to end of January and a little bit of February, because um, this episode is kind of like uh, maybe a little bit late this time, in but the danger know, please zone. understand, it's in the danger zone. So um, back at the beginning of the month, uh, we we didn't really talk about new releases last episode, because um, me and Ty just got sidetracked for two and a half hours talking about... I don't even remember. It was a good um, episode then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, X-Type Plus on the Wii U. This is a download um, uh, game for the Wii U. Um, this is um, not a not a remake or um, a virtual console game. This is actually like a, a brand new X, uh, like kind of a what do you call it? Like a shoot 'em up uh, game. Looks pretty cool. And uh, on the Virtual Console, we also have Mega Man Zero 2. 
uh, I guess that's the uh, that's Super Nintendo, right? No, that's Game Boy Advance. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah all zero games are GBAs. That's GBA, right? Yeah. And of course, with it being a portable game, it's obviously on the Wii U, because you know that makes complete sense. <sighs> anyway, um, what else have we got? And this on the 3DS, we have Shinjuku Gen- Dungeon. Now, the reason I picked this up, uh, I didn't pick this up, I mean, picked this out to talk about, is that it's got a little bit of traction online. It's kind of like a Zelda-type RPG, but it's based around, like, the Shinjuku train station. Have you seen this? Yeah, I heard about it and thought it was actually a pretty great idea. Yeah, it's, I think, like, the map is, like, literally Shinjuku's train station map, but it's, you know, it looks like a, you know an NES Famicom Zelda game. It looks really, really cool. Uh, yeah, that came out like near the beginning of the month. Um, and also, uh, in Virtual Console, the uh, it's called Valkyrie in Japanese, but in English it's actually Cybernator. Um, I believe this did come out like on the original Wii Virtual Console, um, but I guess this is you know if you already have it, you can upgrade it or whatever to have gamepad support. But Cybernator is actually called Assault, Assault Suits Vulcan in Japanese, which is crazy. Um, I love this game. Back in the day, I actually owned it. It's balls hard, but it's it's a really, really cool game. I think nice. RFN talked about this, and they uh, whoever played it really didn't like it. And it was like, you know, it was heresy for me because I loved this game growing up. Um, I think it's uh, great. Most, uh- most people on Nintendo World Report are actually bad at video games. <laughs> <laughs> this is a call-out. Okay. Um, well, talking about balls hard games... Yeah, uh, you know where to find me. Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh. Yeah, baby. So the real shit. <laughs> that's, Lindy likes those games, right? I, think I hope so. Um, so this is another GBA game. Uh, I don't know what the R stands for. <laughs> anyway, Ghouls and Ghosts are on the GPA. Um, what else kind of stands out? Mario Galaxy 2 came out, obviously. Like, hey. I think that was everywhere. And what, Was that for like a really amazingly bargain price? Yeah, yeah, they all came out yeah. at you know, 1,000 yen or whatever the first week, $10. Yeah. And then they go up to double that after that. <clears throat> um. Uh, Hackle Boy, actually, I was t- I was talking to Danny on uh, Skype earlier in the week, and he bought Hackle Boy, and he really really liked it. He's, he said it's awesome, so hopefully we can hear his thoughts on it um, next time he's on. It's uh, I think we might have mentioned it in the Nintendo Direct. It's kind of like a black and white uh, graphic style like platformer puzzle game. Uh huh. Looks pretty cool. Hackle Boy, Box Boy. Cool. Um. Outer World, otherwise known as oh Jesus, is called uh, Another World or right. Out of This World. It's got like a different name in every region. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know the game Out of This World. I, I think it also came out on some other platforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. This uh, it's I think it came out oh, quite a while ago in the West, but it's finally coming out in Japan, and it's called Outer World in in Japanese. Huh. Uh, yeah, Wooden Sensei also came just came out here, which is came out ages ago in the West. 
And the next Wii game that came out uh, last week was Donkey Kong Country Returns, the, the first one on Wii. Um, does it have mandatory waggling? Yes, it does. Fuck that game. I love those games. <laughs> play, uh, play it on the original Wii with the, that's been hacked, and like you, you can install a hack that removes the arbitrary, arbitrary waggling. And the you final roll with a button, yeah, like man, like God that. intended it. The final Wii game that came out in January was Kirby Wii, um, <laughs> and the Westcott Metro Prime Trilogy, which I downloaded, which I haven't had a chance to play it much, so that's why I didn't talk about it. That's a pretty but, big time investment. Yeah, man, yeah, man. But I couldn't say no. It was like nine quid on the, the European store. Which right. Is, uh, my yeah. shame, I still haven't finished Metro Prime 2 or 3, and they're so good of what I've played of them. Well, if you have a Wii U, get get the Prime Trilogy like now, like this mm. week, while it's still nine quid. Um, so yeah, that's. I thought that was kind of an interesting um, uh, kind of contrast there. Like, the West gets Metro Prime Trilogy and Japan gets Kirby Wii. <laughs> uh, you know, please understand, no Metroid ever again. <laughs> and yeah, and then most recently, the brand new Touch Kirby Super Rainbow. <laughs> that's the best is... title ever. Hell of a title. <laughs> God, what is it called? The Magic Super Unicorn Rainbow Paintbrush? Um, in English? I forgot. Something Curse. The Rainbow Curse, something like that, right? Yeah. Canvas yes. Curse, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's the sequel yeah, that, to Canvas Yeah, it's the sequel to that, right? Yeah. Yes. So that just came out uh, in Japan, and I also believe Danny bought that too. Um, so, yeah. Pleased to look forward to impressions on that. It looks awesome. I love the claymation style on it. Yeah, I I do like this new Nintendo thing where they're they're trying out a load of crazy new art styles with like yarn, Yoshi, and yeah, it's it's a cool way to to showcase the console. Definitely, and this one I picked out for Ty, uh, Last Bible Three. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> I'm not um, making it up. This is a um, this is a Super Nintendo Super Famicom game, which bizarrely never made it outside of Japan. Last Bible. Huh. Last Bible. Literally, that's what it's called. <laughs> okay. It's Japanese. That uh, really sounds controversial. It's uh, it's basically just an RPG set, maybe in Bible times. I'm not really sure. I don't really want to <laughs> find out, to be honest. But yeah, it kind of looks like um, a Chrono Trigger kind of art style looking RPG <laughs> about Bible yeah, like, times. I, I like I, I keep thinking for a second like is this one of those unauthorized games like no, no. <laughs> like Super Noah's Ark? How did this get on the shot? <laughs> I prefer Super Moses personally. Right. No 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 it's it's a it's a legit <laughs> it's a legit game. Um damn who published this? Atlas published this. Okay, things are starting to make a little more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Available for only 823 yen. A steal. And your immortal soul. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, add a couple of yen to that for Ty. Um, so, what else have we got? Oh, the, um, the ridiculous Amiibo-compatible Ace Combat game uh, just came out uh, a couple of days ago. 
the Ace Combat 3D Cross Rumble Plus Love Plus Extra 3D Figure Action Amiibo Edition. Does it have the Idolmaster DLC skins for the Jets? If you have an Idolmaster Amiibo, then yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to give Ace Combat credit. They, they just go balls to the wall with their DLC. They, just, they, just, they don't let <laughs> anyone hold them down. They're like, we want skins in our planes. You got damn Idolmasters on your planes. Yeah, like, that's not even a joke. Just, like, Google <laughs> image search Ace Combat Idolmaster and boom. Safe search on or off? Yes. <laughs> Both. And the last thing, the kind of mic drop thing I'm going to end the eShop uh, releases <laughs> with is Sugar Rush, a.k.a. Um, Jesus Christ, what's it called? Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph is coming to the Nintendo 3DS as a movie, a 3D movie, for 3,200 yen. You can watch the full <laughs> uh, Disney movie of Wreck-It Ralph on your 3DS. Wow. For... That, that's a bit of a coincidence, because today is Cyrus. Fate. Uh, these uh, Disney Infinity uh, Wreck-It Ralph uh, figures. I, don't I wasn't know. lying when I said I was an enabler with NFC chip stuff. Yeah, like, he just gave them to me, like, here, have these. So, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to see if I can hack them with Linux or something. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for triple the price of a Blu-ray, you can watch it on your 3DS. Bargain, Neat. right? It fits in your pocket. If it yeah. shuts up the kids for two hours. <laughs> well, 102 minutes, it says well, here. <laughs> close enough. Uh, well, does it have special features? No. Fuck. You can watch the first 20 minutes of it again. Oh, yeah, and uh, on the 14th, Valentine's Day, February the 14th, Majora's Mask comes out. I don't know if you heard of that game. But um, that comes kind out. Of a, kind of a big deal. And uh, better way also, to spend Valentine's Day than by reliving the terrors of that game over and over until the moon crushes <laughs> us all. Yeah, it reminds me of my wedding night. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the uh, the new releases in Japan. Um, so that's the end. What of that a time segment. to be alive! <laughs> Okay, so next we're going to talk some charts as supplied by Media Crate and translated by some dude on NeoGAF. Um, hey! <laughs> so, yeah, um, super special guest Cyrus, why do you uh, read off uh, starting at number 10? What do we got? So, number 10, we have the 3DS game Kenka Bancho 6 Soul and Blood. So There's a play, title. Did you play the first five? <laughs> Uh, I've been I've been meaning to. They're they're here on my desk. Like they they're on my list. 
Seriously, what the hell is this game? It's an adventure game, but what? What? Well, it was at number three last week, so uh, it must be a game. Yes, definitely a game. Um, the next... It doesn't even come close to the longest name on this list. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, ne- the next game is Super Smash Bros. 4. What do you think? 3DS or Wii U? Number 9. It's 3DS. 3DS is in number 9. Uh, it's up to 2.2, uh, 2.1 million. And the Wii U version is uh, actually it's actually number 11. Um, just missed out the top 10. But that's only at like 560,000. So yeah, it's I guess how many times more? Huh. Three. Three. Four times more. Uh, yeah. 3DS. It's got know. some catching up to do. Yeah. <clears throat> It's almost like the Wii U isn't selling well. This is breaking news, guys. <laughs> Only on the Famicast, this kind of analysis. <laughs> um, we'll skip number eight, because it's a PS Vita game that no one cares about. Um, Andrew, what about number seven? Number seven, 3DS game Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, which has uh, jumped up from number four previously. That Mohan... Yeah, I wonder what the reason for that is. I mean, the RFM guys were just talking about the demo of this, which came out in the West recently, because um, they they still haven't had the uh, the original Monster Hunter 4. Right, this is the updated one, I guess, 4G. Yeah. Um, and otherwise known as 4 Ultimate. Um, so yeah, interesting that it got a bump. Well, it's never out of the top ten. Who we're kidding? It's always there. Hanging around. Um, we'll skip number six because again, it's a, another incredibly long title bullshit PS Vita game that no one cares about. Um, Does it have exploding clothes? Um, I'm gonna I thought say... that was like a required feature on Vita games. Let me just flip a coin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does have exploding clothes. Good, good. Um, number five uh, is Pokemon Omega Ruby slash Alpha Sapphire. Um, has anyone heard of that game? Pokemon, what's that? Isn't that just a fad? It's a fighting game, actually, that's uh, in the arcades. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mastered it. It might be coming to portable soon. Um, Ty, your favorite game at number four? Yokai Watch 2! Shin Uchi. This is actually Yokai Watch 2 3. This is the third Yokai Watch 2. You what? What? <laughs> yeah, they've they've um Assassin Creeded it. It's, what? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the fifth Yokai Watch game. It, so Final don't let that. Final Fantasy Ten Two. Yeah, like <laughs> this this game is just like I don't know how they keep making stuff for it. It feels like it only came out like last year, and there's like twelve games and entire aisles of super of shopping centers dedicated to it. The, the weird thing, like, I remember hearing on A4 Play, like, the differences between the original two versions of Yoko Watch 2 were just, like, right at the beginning, you make a choice, like, uh, about whatever faction you want to belong to, or whatever it is. Anyway, I've never seen or played anything to do with Yoko Watch. But anyway, so, like, this third version that they're putting out. I mean, I just want to know what ridiculous plotline excuse they had, to, you know, 
to have like a third version, you know, because apparently the the two original ones there is like a story reason between for choosing between those two, but you know, I just yeah. It I'm me. I'm sorry, I already invested all my anime time into Hamtaro. <laughs> um, but. Actually, let me just see. Which is selling better, Smash Brothers or this one? Uh, this is, yes. Yokai Watch is just beating out Smash Brothers. Yokai Watch is more popular than Smash Brothers. <laughs> well, <laughs> headline. Having like some young kids live in my apartment block, I do not find that even remotely surprising. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I I scored a big Yokai Watch stuffed toy out of a UFO catcher. Which was immediately ripped out of your hands by some rabid, you know, twelve-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Bruised. Yeah, they stepped into the Thunderdome <laughs> and they found out who runs Barter Town. <laughs> who run Barter Town? Seriously, if you want to sell anything in Japan right now, just write Yokai Watch on the side of it, and it'll um, it'll sell. Yokai Watch dog shit. <laughs> Yeah, sell it for five thousand yen. Uh, one um, one interesting thing with this Yokai Watch two various versions is that each save file from each game is compatible with the next game, so you can oh, kind of yeah. continue get your game with totally new content. Buy them all. Asterix, no new content at whatsoever. There's Dark Nyan in this one. That makes like eighteen different Nyans. I have Fuyu Nyan. <laughs> You should get that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> um, so number three, we've talked about it in some capacity already. Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. That's the proper title. Not uh, Super Rainbow Paintbrush. Rainbow Big Adventure, U. tons of fun. <laughs> A beautiful heart, faithful and strong. Sharing kindness. <laughs> it's an easy feat. And let's not finish this song. Okay, okay. Is that, yeah. Ke- is that Care Bears or My Little Pony? Or My something? Little Pony. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, okay, the highest rate, the highest selling Nintendo game in Japan this week is Cyrus. Another 3DS game, The Legend of Legacy. League of Legends? Yeah, they finally released the handheld version. LOL. The Legend of Legacy, that doesn't mean anything, does it? Yeah, so it's, uh, well, it's following that proud Japanese RPG title of making no sense, whatever. Just put some fancy-looking English words there. But yeah, it's brand new, debuting at number two on the list. That's great. And uh, number one is a PS3 game. Sales of Zestiria. Ty, didn't you talk about that last week? Isn't that a fighting game? Uh, it wasn't me who talked about it. Something with Zerd in it. Oh, Guilty Gear Zerd. Or Egg Salad, as I like to call it. Noted good game. With horrible DLC practices. Yeah, see, is that on this list anywhere? It should be. What? Which game? Nope, Guilty Gear. Yeah. games don't sell games. They just make people sad. God damn it. 
that was the oh I should have mentioned that's the January the 19th to January the 25th please understand um, but uh, quick mention of the hardware I always like to pick out um, something that amuses me um, well the, the, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me was that the Xbox One has sold 45,000 units life to date you know since it released and the PS Vita TV has sold three times that many, 150,000 huh. units. So that is um, pretty funny. What was that Xbox One game that's like only in Japan? It was like Tetris versus Puyo Puyo or something. Idol Master Close Explosion Edition. I don't know. Dating Sim 469. Oh, it was a puzzle game. I'll have to get that. You could be right. You could be right because of the um, the rights. Uh, it, can't, it can't be sold, right? The Puyo Puyo Tetris rights, or Tetris rights, or whatever? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think you could be right. I think I had that on the Bombcast. Um, but yeah, Wii U is up to 2.2 million life to date, um, compared to the PS4, which is 1 million. So yeah, comparative to that, I guess it's doing okay. But <laughs> the PS4 also came out like... Uh, more, more recently than the Wii U, let's say. 3DS is doing great, as usual. Well, it's doing okay. Uh, it sold 35,000 units this week. That's combined through all the um, editions. The new 3DS LL sold twice as many as the regular new 3DS. Why do I keep on telling you guys, don't worry about the new 3DS not coming out in the West, uh, in America. No one cares. Seriously, I don't do care America. about it. <laughs> I care about the name. I will. I I need to strangle whoever is making the names for the 3DSs. It's like what? Why? Why are they doing this? Yeah, the new 3DS LL has sold a million units already in Japan, and the new, the regular new 3DS is only 440,000. So yeah, it's over two times as many. So I guess I don't know if that affected Reggie's decision. <laughs> if it was Reggie's decision, who knows? But uh, there you have it. Andrew, have you got any comments? You've been rather quiet at the end there. Oh, I I was just thinking I really wanted the uh, the original model since it came out in black in Japan just recently, and it, it looks so much nicer than the uh, the XL model there. I'm just pining away for that that which will never be. Do you, Do you have a new 3DS? Because they did come out in Australia, right? They came out in Australia first, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Surprisingly, no. I, I, my original 3DS model is uh, U.S. region, and I'm holding out to do the system transfer. So I just uh, uh, short end of the stick. You got region locked in the AS. I did. I did. That's too bad. Okay, and next up is our email slash life in Japan segment, and uh, this episode's uh, suggestion came via Mark from Deep Inc. St. James in England. 
Um, I never heard of that place before anyone asks, but it's in England. And uh, Mark, thank you for the email. Uh, he said, "Hey guys, um, how is the Famitsu magazine regarded in Japan? At this point in the West, it is seen as a bit of a joke, synonymous with money hat reviews." But is it genuinely revered in the land of the rising sun? Um, so yeah, I thought that would be an awesome uh, way to kick off uh, Life in Japan segment, you know, about the uh, Famitsu magazine, um, which I don't think we haven't really talked about it much on the show, other than you know, as Mark said in his email, how ridiculous, uh, ridiculously money-hatted everything yeah, is. Yeah, there's probably a good reason for that. Yeah, I mean. The the reason why it's so revered probably it's the longest running magazine in Japan and you know the widest uh, distributed I guess you know it's in it's everywhere across Japan. Yeah, like I can't even name like another video game magazine in Japan. Yeah, it's just kind of synonymous with like exclusives and game information. You just go to Famitsu. Right. 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 It's like nin- Nintendo Power in the States in the 80s or whatever. Mm, yep. there's, there's not really <laughs> any other places. I mean, you've got like other kind of um, maybe offshoots. Uh, they do have yeah. monthly Famitsu things with like, you know, uh, demos or whatever. I remember getting a pretty cool Biohazard 4 demo disc like uh, through one of those kind of things. I got a Kirby Beach Ball in a Famitsu once. Uh, great. It was amazing. Did you ever use it on the beach? <laughs> Not on the beach, no, but, you know, I inflated it. I bounced it around the house. It's great. <laughs> there you go. That's Enlighten us with these stories. Yeah, that's it was, the like, of, the um... best thing to ever come out of that magazine. Yeah, that, if that's the thing we can talk about, the editorial quality of Famitsu is that it comes with a free beach ball. They have, they have it. <laughs> um, but... You know, talking about from the Japanese point of view, I mean, um, from what I've heard from, uh, like, well, let's just say Minoru, I think um, uh, <laughs> he's like the, the go-to Japanese guy. Yeah, I wish he was here. I wish he was here to give us the um, perspective. But I remember him saying, you know, as far as, like, you know, editorial, you know, online or, you know, paper-based, you know, there's very little you know, critiquing of video games in Japan, like, you know, in the Japanese language, um, which is why he actually preferred... I mean, that's how he found out about Nintendo World Report, right? He's interested in Nintendo games. He wants to read reviews which, you know, actually critique games <laughs> and give them scores that they deserve um, without, you know, any money hats being involved. Well, apart from me, um, I fully accept all money hats. Um, um. Um, leave your comments in the in the uh, article page if you want to get to me about any games you want to pay for. Anyway, that's a different matter. Um, but he said, yeah, it's very hard to come by those kind of things. So I guess you know if we you know go from that comment, I would say that yeah, Japanese people, you know, knowledgeable people probably don't trust it. Um, but you know, most people just buy it just for the hell of it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I think from what I gather from living in Japan for the last few years that in general critiquing just doesn't happen with kind of anything. 
they, they don't like saying bad things about stuff in most cases. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, you try to like, you know, look at the the positive side of things. Yeah, it's um, it's always try and cheer things on as opposed to tear things down, which doesn't really lend itself well to uh, journalism in a lot of places. Yeah, you see it for movies as well, right? Like there'll be a movie that got absolutely trashed. I mean, you'll get like Rotten Tomato score of three percent, but then you know you'll you'll see like a Japanese TV documentary in inverted commas, quotation marks. Um, all about this movie and how amazing it is. And it's like, you know, I've just been listening to a, a podcast about how shit this movie is. And, <laughs> and yet yet it's got like a full night special on Japanese TV about, you know, interviewing every single member of the cast down to the guy who, you know, puts the light bulbs in the lights, you know. About and how one member of AKB48 in there or Exile. <laughs> is that what the gaffer does? <laughs> or is that the best boy? Um, that's a very good question. Um, Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say both. Um, depends who's not drinking beer at the time. Anyway, um, so yeah. I have a few notes about Feminism Magazine. Well, the, the before we go into you know completely tearing it down, I thought yeah. a good lead, a good lead-off point, would be looking at the, you know, the perfect score update, uh, the perfect score list. You know, these are the games which get 40 out of 40. For those that, for those that don't know, um, Famitsu have uh, four reviewers. Well, they have many reviewers, but uh, each game gets reviewed by four people, and they give it a 10 out of 10, and then it gets totaled into a 40 out of 40. So if every if all four of the people give out ten out of ten, that's you know so quote unquote the perfect scored game. And um, where were you when they rated Nintendogs forty out of forty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never hashtag never forget. That was that was the point. That was the tipping point. That was jumping well, the shark. Okay, let's, let's, let's go. I'll go. I'll go through this slowly. And Please do. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone has any objections, you know, like, you know, non-trolling objections, Ty, you know, like. Okay, oh, you're gonna get trolled. Red flag, you know, like, whoa, 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 that shouldn't be on there. Then by all means, just shout out. Okay, here we go. So the first ever 40 out of 40 back in '98 was uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Ty, shut up. Sucks. <laughs> See, I pre, I preempted you there. Yeah, so no arguments there. Next one was Soul Calibur, uh, the Dream. That game actually deserves it. Yeah. There you go. Number three, Vagrant Story. It's an RPG, so I would dismiss it out of hand. Yeah, I've never even played it. Uh, next one, uh, The Wind Waker. Throw this pig into the sea. <laughs> Sucks. So Wind Waker, I would, I would be kind of, I'm shocked that four people gave a ten out of ten, but it does deserve high scores, but. The big well, open sea parts, I can see annoying at least one of four people. <laughs> well, I think this is, is this actually... They haven't jumped the shark at this point. I think this is quite brave, because at this point, the whole world was going, Zelda. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, people were, you know, burning uh, their copies of, you know, the original Zelda that they'd been keeping in their safe for... 20 years, and they're like, you know, I hate Zelda, they they ruined it, you know. 
this is the worst game ever. And it ruined my childhood. It ruined my childhood, <laughs> Traveled yes. back in time and erased all the things I like. This is Zelda. We Don't be bringing up time travel when you're not prepared for the crazy consequences. Right. My parents no, no longer love me now. You know, things like that. And, you know, but, you know, Famitsu um, just was, uh, yeah, they just reviewed it as it was. You know, it's, it's an awesome game. And lots of people would give it 10 out of 10, even today. Mm. So um, this this is definitely it was the first sign of warning for me, but something I would still be okay with getting a forty out of forty. So I'm not too worried. Like they didn't give um, Twilight Princess a forty out of forty. That right? is well deserved. Not forty out of forty. You know, yeah, but um, yeah, the Wind Waker did. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and and give that a pass for that one. But uh, number five, Nintendogs. Garbage day. <laughs> okay, so yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I've never played this game, so I feel bad putting a judgment against it. So I can't really say one way or the other. Likewise. Now, was this the first ever virtual pet simulator at the time? Probably not. Um, was it the first multi-million selling pet simulator? Yes, it was. So you could, if you want to put your um, conspiracy theorist uh, silver tinfoil hats on, you could say that Nintendo really needed this game to succeed, especially in Japan. And this was like a launch title, I guess, for the DS. Um, I think that's right, right? Yeah, it was, if not, very close to... So, you know, if you want to go... (laughs) full wacko conspiracy theorist, you could say Nintendo paid for this 40 out of 40 to give it, you know, the push that it needed to make the DS successful, but, you know, that's complete, <laughs> that's a complete uh, tinfoil hat uh, theory there. Not really. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll that's actually going. a pretty boring run-of-the-mill theory. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, I would think so. Okay, well, I that... don't know. I, I, I could see, like, a, a group of Japanese people absolutely gushing over how cute little dogs are and just their eyes rolling back in their head and saying, 40 out of 40. <laughs> Fun fact about this, it oh came out with three different versions, and in Japan, one of those versions was a Shiba version, but they right. like censored that for America and replaced it with a Labrador. Uh, I think censored is the wrong word to use. No, they they were trying to hide dogs. They didn't want like the that meme to start too early. It was still gestating. <laughs> too hot for um, the Western audience. Wow, <laughs> much game journalism. I actually have a Shiba dog, a real life Shiba dog. Wow, kawaii. Can I can I rub its tummy and? Give it 40 out of 40. <laughs> sure, yeah. Why not? All right. <laughs> um, so next up, um, Final Fantasy 12. Okay. Uh, Another uh, RPG. Uh, there's lots of groaning around. I guess no RPG players here. Um, I do yeah. like me some Final Fantasies. I haven't gotten around to that one yet. <laughs> haven't got around to that? <laughs> what, are you playing them in reverse order? <laughs> I I use the dartboard method. Okay. Well, if it yeah. doesn't start with Zeno, it's not worth my time. Okay. 
Well, yeah, whatever. Final Fantasy. What do do? Um, next is Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Do not even <laughs> start. Let's just go to the next one. Oh god. Yeah. I guess... I'm willing. I'm willing to to at least hope that in review copies they didn't know about some of the stuff because they were just reviewing it. But as their casual scum. Yeah, like you know, if you don't notice tripping. That game is totally cool. Like, Brawl has an obscene amount of content. Oh, so. this could be... I'm, I just noticed that Melee is not on here, so this could be, like, the Peter Jackson effect, you know, where they gave um, The Return of the King all the Oscars, even though that was, you know, not the best movie. Mm. But it was kind of like a well-done-for-the-whole-trilogy kind of thing. Maybe this was like, oh, yeah, we should have given Melee a 40 out of 40, but we didn't, so let's just yeah, give it to the next I'm best one. I'm willing to accept that that happens a lot in the video game biz, actually. The Peter Jackson effect, possibly. Yeah. yeah. And even in general with Brawl, Brawl did a lot of stuff. Like it had random online play without friend codes. So it was like a huge step for Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> even though oh, it was like, completely you... unplayable. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Random. Uh, <laughs> what you mean? The random part was the connection to the other player. <laughs> it randomly connected you or not. They, they go full hog when they say random. <laughs> you may or may not be playing against a CPU right now. <laughs> we won't tell you if you are. Um, next up is Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Yeah, this is the exact thing you were just talking about. Like, Metal Gear Solid 3 absolutely deserves 10 out of 10. 4 is, 4 is an okay game, but it's not Metal Gear Solid 3. So you're saying that's a wacko jacko again? Um... Yeah, I can take it or leave it. Okay. Um, the next one is a bizarre game. I mean, yeah, long, just for... long time listeners of um, RFN might might have known about this. This is like before the family cast even existed, so you know we wouldn't have been able to talk about it. But it's um, four to eight, Fusa Sareta Shibuya De, which is the um, I think this is like a visual novel with like full motion video acting. Um, yeah. Uh, I was just looking it up on YouTube, and I did not understand what was happening. <laughs> I remember seeing this at, like, TGS. Uh, like, like I, I say seeing, as in, like, I didn't I didn't really think I was playing it. <laughs> I can't remember if I played it or just watched it, but I don't think there's any difference to this game. <laughs> you know, you just kind of watch it anyway. But, um, yeah, kind of a weird one, that. Um, I would say that was a huge red flag there. I mean, yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. So yeah, that's a bit weird. Yeah. Well, so well, yeah, I, definitely I, something suspicious going on there. I think. I don't know. I I played visual novels that like I would say are mandatory playing, or I guess reading. Maybe we'll talk about those sometime. Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to call shenanigans on that one. Take it or leave it. Um, uh, next, the the 10th 40 out of 40 they ever gave was um, Dragon Quest Nine: Senators of the Starry Skies. And I'm going to, even though I haven't played this, I mean, the impact this game had on Japan and the world, I would say, is significant. And I'm going to go ahead and give this a pass because, you know, this people, this, I mean, this game had... Street Pass before there was Street Pass. You know, this was like the most... This is like the Monster Hunter before Monster Hunter became that big. 
you know, everyone in Japan was playing this game, and it was also incredibly popular in the West. And uh, it's apparently a damn fine game. Any yeah, I, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no Dragon Quest fans. <laughs> yeah, no. They they left my country alone for too long for me to invest that late. <laughs> Worst Japanese podcast ever. <laughs> yeah. But um, one thing I should point out before we go too much further in the list is that while before the before the first ever game was given a a ten a forty out of forty, mm-hmm. Famitsu had been going for twelve years before they gave one. That's a good point to make, yeah. Mm. So so Ocarina of Time was the one that cracked that twelve year. Yeah, cycle, so that was right? yeah. that was in nineteen ninety eight after twelve years. So maybe I don't know management changed hands or you know. Yeah, it was like they had they had about one. 40 out of 40 kind of almost every year for mm-hmm. after that. But then in 2008, which was Smash Bros. Brawl, they start to pick up speed with two or three at least every year. You're looking at a graph somebody's made, right? <laughs> I may be looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> I may also have encyclopedic information about all Famitsu scores. Yeah, let's go with the latter. It sounds more impressive. It's a slippery slope, to be sure. Um, so next up is Monster Hunter Try, which is a game that is still being recycled to this day. <laughs> um, yeah, wait, that's fine. A bold move for Capcom on that front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recycling content. Who'd have known it, right? I mean, <laughs> this is on the Wii U for Christ's sake. I mean, this is a Wii, the Wii original game, <laughs> but that was also a Wii U launch title, right? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. Meh, whatever. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Well, it's it's Japan. Yeah, I think it, that might be acceptable as a game. And Ty, I'm interested to know what you think about the next one, Bayonetta, the first one. Uh, it's a fun game. Ten out of ten, though. I don't know. No, I... 40, forty out of forty. Yeah. yeah. Aside from Bayonetta herself's design, I actually think it's a pretty perfect game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's not totally objectionable. And I mean, the second one's supposed to be better. Yeah, better, even that's better. On, that's on my growing list of reasons I need to buy a Wii U. Is Bayonetta two? Yeah, but like, I'm I'm thinking of like similar games. Is it better? Would you say than like Devil May Cry or Ninja Gaiden? Well, I hate playing all Devil May Crys, and I've cleared Bayonetta like eight times. Okay. So, I mean, if it is, yeah, then fine. It's yeah, great. I think Bayonetta was like the perfection of that game design. Okay. I like Bayonetta, full disclosure. That's fine. There you go. Next one may be controversial. New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, this isn't the first New Super Mario Brothers game, right? The first one was the DS one. Right. So, I don't know, maybe this is a... We should have given it to the original and not this, because, you know, this doesn't really add anything. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Well, I think this is the one that added four-player, right? It yeah. brought the Koopalings back. Brought the Koopalings back, added four-player, and that's about it, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this was the time when I thought, okay, this is pretty much the same game as on the DS, but it looks nicer, which they then did another two times after that. So, Super Luigi Bros. was a totally different game. 
Sorry, three times. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, this like this period now that we're going to start entering feels very heavy Nintendo stacked. Like some pretty kind of predictable, but not necessarily appropriate games get onto the list. Maybe this, yeah, this is when you know Iwata is, you know, it gets really good at making green tea at those meetings. And yeah. <laughs> well, you know, on the other hand, I see a Western game creeping into the list. Yeah. But, you know, in case people didn't know, that's how most major decisions are made at Japanese uh, business meetings. It's kneeling down on tatami mats, drinking green tea. And if you have a good conversation, then you uh, shake hands and make a deal. But if you make some rude comment about the other person's wife, then, you know, it doesn't get done. So yeah. <laughs> uh, alternatively, instead of green tea, you can have malt liquor. Yeah, that too. Yeah, if it, if it goes into the night, uh, the night party, definitely. So yeah, Iwata it must be a good host because <laughs> there's quite a few Nintendo games here. Um, so next one is Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, <laughs> the next, the second Metal Gear Solid to get forty out of forty. Um, this is the PSP one, right? Yeah, yeah. the PSP, the four-player co-op one. It's a good game. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to call shenanigans on that one. This, 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 yeah, this was a bit bizarre. I think this felt like to me that they were they really wanted to sell a four-player Metal Gear. Yeah, well, maybe Konami had the cash at that point to do yeah. that kind of thing. Um. Next is Pokemon Black and White uh, on the DS. Um, I'm yeah. kind of shocked a Pokemon game hadn't been on this list before. Right, and Black right. and White was very good, but it wasn't really much that the rest of the Pokemon games were not. It did a X and Y. X and Y didn't get a 40 out of 40, did it? No, they did not. And X and Y I would rate as a lot better than Black and White, so... And that was the most kind of revolutionary one, right? Like yeah. X and Y changed a lot. Black and White uh, was just more. Was just more, right? It was the first 3D one, though, I think. It, no, it's, well, what do you mean 3D? Like 3D. Ev- all the Pokemon were like 3D modeled in Black and White, or was that XY? That was XY, I think. Oh, okay, man. Yeah. I so gotta hand in my Pokemon <laughs> trainer card. Yeah, what the hell is this even doing on the list? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, next one, Skyward Sword, Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, second Zelda game to make the list. Like I said, there's no um, Twilight Princess. Third Zelda game. Hmm. Wind Waker, Ocarina, and Skyward. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So God, yeah. Um, Ocarina is already <laughs> off the page for me. It's so far, so far ago, so long ago. Skyward Sword, yeah, I like this game a lot, and. This is a point when I was playing it, I thought, yeah, this is awesome, this is a 10 out of 10, but then near the end of the game, I kind of knocked off a point or so, um, and I didn't, personally, I wouldn't have given it a 10 out of 10, even though it is an awesome game. Um, has anyone else played this to completion? Yeah. No, I haven't. I don't buy or play Zelda games. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't talking to you. I know you weren't. I was talking through you. Um, <laughs> Andrew... I- yeah, the the only thing that would really, really put me off giving it a perfect score was the the repeated boss fight of the imprisoned, 
that happened. I like. I think it was four times throughout the the entire experience in the game. But oh, the the giant uh, the giant black thing with the with the thing, thing on his head. head and, yeah. yeah. Right. I haven't even played the game, and I know the legends of that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's good the first time you play it, but yeah, the fourth time not so much. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of um, recycled stuff in that. Um, we're just talking about that with the 3D Mario games, right? Um, recycling the last 10% of each game. But, yeah, um, that seems to be a very standard Nintendo MO at this point, is mm. to give you the first half again and the last 10%. But, you know, people say that Zelda isn't as popular in Japan as it is in the West, but, you know, here we go, the, the Japanese, uh, the Japanese video game magazine giving it uh, Skyward Sword a perfect score um, means that there are people who do like Zelda still, but maybe they're just the OGs of the of Japan. What could be arguable with this is that with the reviews, they don't often get to finish the game. So maybe yeah. they they played this, thought it was perfect, and didn't run into the recycling of assets thing later on. Or in, or in Famitsu's case, <laughs> some of the reviewers haven't even played the game. That is also potential. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if it, if it ain't broke, rehash it. There you go. Well, um, I think uh, a lot of criticisms we could leverage against Famitsu are more like critici- criticisms of game journalism altogether. True. Yeah, it's just that Famitsu is held to such high standards all around the world. You know, not, as, not 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 after this segment is through. Yeah, not really, but but that's <laughs> what done. I mean. The fact that they get their own segment is uh, right, shows right. how big they are. That's true. That's true. Um, the next one is the only, the first. Is it the only? The only. No, game? it's the first. There's another one later on. Okay, the only Western game. Oh, sorry, the first Western game. Uh, 2011. It took them that long. As yeah, Elder Scrolls V: Skyrim. Um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, that that was the first one. Uh, and the fact that the next Zelda game is gonna potentially take lots of uh, mm. cues from this. So I don't know. It'd be interesting if that. I don't. I don't know how well Skyrim did in Japan. I think reasonably yeah, okay. I've, I've never heard my students talking about it, but. I've heard a couple of students talk about it. Well, it's also four years old at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good game. I'm surprised uh, it appealed to Famitsu so much. Well, you could. Um, this could be a red flag, right? I mean, this could be a, hey, we really need this game to succeed in Japan. How, mm. much, is it, how much is it for a Famitsu review? $1,000? There you go. <laughs> Man, um, I'll, I'll get them to review my game if it's going to cost $1,000. Yeah, the exchange rate was pretty good back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, the we're next one investments in Japan. Now, if if we're going to talk about red flags, you got to oh, give this next gosh. game the yeah, proper say, dues it deserves here. Should we should we all just put our red flags up simultaneously for this one? Yeah, we should give this a a full parade of red flags as it comes into the podcast here. Um, yeah, Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. <laughs> Um, what? What? Yeah, like, the, when when I was reading up to, to be prepared for this podcast, and I saw this being mentioned on the list, I actually could not believe it, that it was on this list. 
I just, yeah, I just don't even, what? <laughs> yeah. How much did it cost? That's all I'm thinking. Yeah. F fun thing about this game is that I like Lightning as a character. I think she's pretty cool. And when when I saw her in the trailer for 13.2, I was like, okay, cool. 13 was kind of eh, but 13.2 could be fun. And I saw her new design with her, like, big feathery skirt thing and her boob armor and her, like, exposed shoulders and skirts and stuff. And it actually made me depressed where all my housemates were, like, actually made me, like, tea and dinner because they're like, dude, you look so unhappy today. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a guy who takes video games seriously. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were really thinking. Um... So, Sai, could you do the rest of the list? Because you've got it in front of you, probably. Yeah, so next, we're back to Nintendo, is Kid Icarus Uprising. Barf! What? That's a, that's Actually, a I haven't one. played it. I don't know. Yeah, I just I'm, it's I'm bad. inclined to kind of leave this one here. I kind of... I think this was pretty good. I, I played this um, at a Nintendo event at Macari, not TGS, but, like, uh, they had a special event for, like, 3DS games. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't get past the controls, which were apparently slightly improved in the final release, but, yeah, the controls are the biggest sticking point, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to give a game a perfect score, controls have to be a large part of that, right? I mean, Yeah, that is fair, especially when this, this game was, like, trying to sell the 3DS as a... As a game input, which again could be a thing. I mean, the the multiplayer and the the single player were very well designed and and well implemented, apparently. But yeah, the controls you gotta dock off some points for that, surely. Especially if you're left-handed. Yeah, I mean, it came with a freaking holder thing because the game was so uncontrollable. You couldn't play it while you were standing around holding it. Right. We made this game unplayable, but this thing we <laughs> packed in with it will make it largely mainly playable for you. Please to enjoy. Uh, yeah, Ty, keep yeah. going. Uh, Sai, sorry. <laughs> Sai, Ty? Yeah. Sai, keep going. <laughs> so our <laughs> next one is, uh, is Ryuga Gotoku, Gotoku 5, which is Yakuza 5. What? Yeah, what? so... Okay. Yakuza 5, Shenmue 7, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I can okay. dream. Yeah, that's got money hats written all over it. Yeah. Excuse me. That's ridiculous. Yakuza 5. Come on. It was, it was everything a Yakuza game is, which is more Yakuza. But Wait, is this PS3? This was PlayStation 3 in 2012. Right. Jesus Christ, that's a weird one. Hmm. And, yeah, so nothing really special. Everyone agrees that shouldn't be there. <laughs> and next is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle. The, uh, only, the only thing I know... Is this a fighting game? This is a fighting game. Yeah. All I remember about this game is that uh, Justin Epson on A4 Play, who's a huge fan of JoJo, um, just shit all over this game. And... Didn't really like it. So if a fan of the series didn't like it, then yikes. The the thing that screams at me for this game is that it has like it has a campaign mode, a really long, elaborate campaign mode where you unlock characters, unlock colors, all this other stuff. But to play the campaign mode, you have this meter, which is like a battery meter, and it's got ten sections. And every time you play a level in campaign, it takes 
it costs you at least one section of your meter. And those meters only recharge at a rate of one every 20 minutes. Or <laughs> you can go to the PSN marketplace. No. Yes. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they later addressed it with a patch that brought down the cooldown to five minutes per battery meter, but it's still there. Every time somebody bought one of those, it should have taken a point off the Famitsu score. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. It was. I was completely horrified when I read it did that. I think that was taken out of the American release. Yeah, yeah um, that would that would make sense. Lots of um, ridiculous paywalls and things uh, get removed for Western releases. The same for Monster Hunter 3. Try. Like, I think you had to pay for online in Japan, but... Yeah. But not in the West. And it had, like, voice chat and stuff. Well, voice chat in quotation marks. We're talking about a Nintendo console here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta You gotta take what you get. There you go. So um, how, how, how many more we got left? So we are now on to our last one, the most recent, which was in 2013. So they had no 2014 40 out of 40s. And the last one is Grand Theft Auto V. Okay, that's fair enough. I yeah, think that, I think that's yeah. that's pretty okay. That's a fine one. That got 10, 10 out of 10s in the West. so In pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, I think it's interesting alone that it didn't doesn't does none in two thousand fourteen. It's like people they kind of caught up to the fact that people were stopping taking them seriously. Possibly, yeah. So um I'm the gonna move on to um an article about Famitsu that uh, I found which is uh on Polygon. And uh, they did a a whole special look at Famitsu, the history of Famitsu. Weekly for me too, and uh, if you want to go and read the whole thing, then uh, check it out. It's called Inside Weekly Famitsu, Japan's biggest game magazine. And uh, yeah, they basically break down, you know, the history and um, go into a little bit of background about their relationships with publishers, which is um, the thing that immediately jumped out to me. Um, so basically, um, Weekly Famitsu is is basically how Japanese publishers announce their games. So they kind of use it as like, um, almost like PR, which, you know, it's the same. Wow, using game journalism as <laughs> PR. Yeah, but it's, it's not like, you know, like in the West you would have um, a publisher approach an online media outlet and say, you know, we'd, we'd like you to do a preview of this game, we'll send you the review code or whatever and uh, you can have a look at it and write, write something about it if you want, kind of thing. This is, this is more like, um, you know, like a straight across the business table, shake hands, we'll give you this, you write this page. Or often, uh, the publishers themselves write the previews and the uh, announcement sections, and they just get copy-pasted straight into the magazine. Yeah, uh, a thing I wanted to talk about earlier is... Famitsu is in a unique position, especially compared to the Western game magazines. That, um, well, video games basically get made, you know, in Tokyo, or you know, over like Osaka and Kyoto, mm -hmm. and it's super easy to get in touch with Famitsu, and they're like the a print magazine that reveals things before the internet does. 
like still. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That that should show you like all the online websites are as opposed to those offline ones are waiting for Famitsu to to come out every week so they can get the scoops. Yeah, like time to time, you, like first screens of a Japanese game, they're get when you see them on the internet, they're scanned out of Famitsu. It's true because they true. don't exist online. So. Famitsu is unique in that respect, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, how many, you know, gaijins living in Japan have Twitter accounts just dedicated to scanning Famitsu articles, right, and putting them on uh, for everyone to read, right, which then gets linked on, you know, other places and poorly translated by people who can't speak Japanese. (laughs) So, you know, things get kind of mixed up. I mean, they do have a website for Mitsu, right? But I don't think all the articles are on the website. So you, and, and definitely the, all of the um, the images are not on the website. So you know, the only place to see these screenshots of games that come out is in is in the literal print magazine, which is just crazy, right? Yeah, it's quite quite a jarring difference between you know Western game magazines, which have been all but exterminated. <laughs> Right, right, right. So looking at the um, this uh, Famitsu article, the uh, the head of uh, Famitsu magazine, Katsuhiko Hayashi, he's saying that um, the magazine used to sell really well in convenience stores. Used to sell mo- like mo- the most copies in convenience stores, right? And uh, back when I first came in Japan, that was that was definitely true. I definitely saw more in convenience stores. Um, but uh, and he said that you know most people just kind of skim it. Um, I think we've talked about this on the Famicast before, like how it, you can just stand in a in a bookstore or a convenience store and just read the whole magazine, put it down, and walk out. And yeah, really... you see people do that all the time. Yeah, all, yeah. all my students, whenever I see them, whenever Mitsu comes out, they just go to the convenience and they they read pretty much half the magazine on their way home from school. I wonder if anyone ever buys those. Like, you you pick up, like, a quote-unquote brand-new magazine that's, like, tattered edges, and it's been read, like, a hundred times. My 7-Eleven only gets, like, two issues of Famitsu in. Yeah, like, I never see Famitsu on the newsstand anymore. It basically seems to have disappeared. So in the bookstores, they're usually, like, wrapped, aren't they? They've got, like, the white tape. um, Yeah. Like, uh, string kind of stuff wrapped around it, so you can't open it. So maybe people buy buy them from there because, you know, they want it in good condition or whatever. Mm, and they want point. the sweet beach ball that comes inside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the free gift hasn't been, you know, rubbed on the floor and, you know, lost or whatever, right? Yeah. So, yeah, apparently the um, they're selling more in book stores now rather than the convenience that they used to sell a lot in, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, yeah, um, apparently... The, a lot of the planning and writing is done by the publisher, um, and they always, uh, if it's not done by the publisher, if Famitsu write it, it always has to be checked by the publisher before it gets um, put in the magazine, which I thought that was just a, you know, just yeah. a shocking, shocking revelation for me. Pretty bonkers. Just... This whole Polygon article is worth reading. It's pretty amazing, the insight into the company. Yeah. I mean, can you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, lots of... Um, uh, RFN segments and you know people write in and often ask about you know the journalism that goes on at Nintendo World Report you know how much is uh, you know done through publishers and how much is you know our own free thoughts and everything 
let's just go ahead and say it. You know, no one ever pays for anything on Nintendo World Report. No previews, no reviews ever. Do you um, guys get uh, games sometimes from the publishers? Because that happened in my day. Oh sh- yeah, yeah, games for reviews. But then once the review code or the physical disc has been put over, there's no other you know contact, right? No other like. So you're giving this a good score, right? I mean, can we can we check your review before you publish it? You know, none of that goes on, right? Yeah. But yeah, but you, if you want to get information and stuff from publishers, if you want to get those sick exclusives, you know, you have to be kind of buddy buddy. And yeah. And then for that, you go to Gamespot. Um, game journalism is dying. It's a middleman that's being cut out for video game direct PR to consumers. Maybe. So, uh, removed directly. You, you can't hear it, but I'm doing the, the direct hand motion right now. <laughs> right. I, I imagined that I knew exactly what you were going for. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think Famitsu is just kind of in a weird place where they're trying to be friends to all the companies, and it's just kind of evolved over time to where they've become a bit of a mouthpiece just for the, the companies? I, I just see them as more of a, um, like a magazine for hire kind of thing. Mm. I mean, they're, they're the biggest, they're the, you know, you might even say only multi-format magazine in Japan. And, you know, they're the go-to people, you know, if you want to announce a game, if you want to, you know, reveal something, you know, they're the only people you can go to, right? So you, you're bound to... There's bound to be some suspicious relationships in that kind of um, yeah. situation. Like any kind of monopoly, you know, monopolies, they never end well, right? There's always something suspicious going on. So it's kind of obvious like that. I mean, it, it also reflects, like, Japanese business culture in general. I mean, lots of companies are owned by other bigger companies, that, but people don't really know that. It's kind of, um, you know, you could actually just count the amount of companies in Japan on one hand, because, like, there'll be just some massive conglomerate corporation that owns, you know, five large companies who themselves own, you know, five medium-sized companies. I mean, that's, you know, that's how Japan works. That's the way it is. And, and you know, it's, it could be the same same for this, you know. They're the, the go-to uh, people to... Um, to get any kind of game-related information out of China. Yeah. And also, you've got to remember, this is a print magazine doing, still, you know, going well in 2015. And, I mean, I think there is a digital version of the magazine. But, um, I mean, how many, you know, magazines in the West? I mean, do people even read magazines in the West? I know Edge magazine is still going strong, based in the UK. Um... But other than that, what if, what if, what is there? Yeah, in the U.S., there's uh, I guess Game Informer, which you know GameStop basically gives to people. <laughs> right, I, yeah. I think it's part of the same company, right? And yeah, <laughs> the same company as as GameStop. They, they, yeah, they have a very close uh, association. Yeah, I mean, something like, you know, the Gersman Gate, it wouldn't have happened in Japan because someone like Jeff Gersman wouldn't be allowed to write for Famitsu. You know, someone who's going to, like, say their real opinions and piss off a publisher who's got a massive, you know, advertisement in their magazine. 
it, it just wouldn't have wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been published. So you know, he wouldn't have been hired in the first place, probably. <laughs> um, so, which must be annoying for people like you know Minoru who want you know critical reviews. Yeah. Um, you know, it must be very frustrating. I mean, Minoru is a you know he's a PhD in English. I mean, you know he's got no problems looking elsewhere for uh, video game information. But can you imagine like if we flipped the world on its head? You know, everything was written in Japanese, and you know, we and all the English reviews kind of sucked. You know, and the only way we could get information was to read, you know, Japanese or let's be more realistic, Chinese. <laughs> that would be pretty frustrating, right? Yeah, it'd be Re- reading everything through Google Translate. You know, mm-hmm. must be pretty crap. All right, um, I think now might be a good chance to uh, go back to the original question here. How? Is Famitsu Magazine regarded, and is it a joke and synonymous with Money Hat Reviews, or is it revered? So, in conclusion, my opinion is that, yes, it's a joke, but so is the rest of video game journalism. (laughs) But in Japan, probably not. Um, to To the majority, I would say no. I would say, yeah, that it's just kind of, it just is what it is in Japan. People kind of they kind of know what it is, and they know what they're getting from it. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it's um, not a big shocking thing that they're that they have close ties with the other companies. It's just kind of how it works. Yeah. Like, um, there there's still a good reason to pick it up, which is they actually do have information before you know websites do, which is mind blowing. And sometimes they come with like beach balls or a sheet of stickers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've gotten a few like. Uh, like special download codes for getting Pokemon or getting items and MMOs or things. Two, two of the best items. One of which I've already mentioned, the uh, Resident, Evil 4, Resident Evil 4 demo. The other one was a mini audio CD um, of uh, the Super Mario Brothers 3 soundtrack, the original, you know, chiptune Famicom nice. version. Just a little, cute little um, mini CD. Is that what they're called? Mini CDs, like the half-size CDs. Oh, they're not called mini CDs, but they're they are mini, something. Mini discs? Something. <laughs> no, that, that name was taken discs. too. Uh, <laughs> all the convenient names for what you're trying to describe were taken. Yes. Anyway, people know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um because at that time, um this was must have been when I the first year or first couple of years I was in Japan, like pretty much almost ten years ago now. Um, they had a whole range of audio CDs that you could get with like in a little box with a piece of candy. Um, you got like a little audio CD, and it was a, it was a blind box, so you didn't know what you were getting. And you got yeah, uh, just as I think it was either chewing gum or candy, I can't remember, and a little CD. And one of the CDs was exclusive to Famitsu, and um, yeah, the, it was the Mario Brothers three one. So yeah, obviously I had to get that. Yeah, I ended up quite getting quite a lot of those little CDs. I still got them somewhere. Um, yeah. Has anyone got any other free gifts other than beach balls, Ty, which you've mentioned about six times now? Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks like Kirby. Well, yeah, it's a freaking brown ball. What else do you expect? It's got it's his face hard. on it. <laughs> The least, the most, the least impressive thing someone can say is like, "I can draw Kirby." Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> so can I, and so can my three-year-old son. Um, the other thing, oh yeah, 
I uh, just remembered a, a game game guides. You you often get um, pretty good game guides in Famitsu, um, which <laughs> which is the flip side of being so close to a publisher, right? You get the whole game and you know how to complete it before it's even come out. So. Yeah, I'm flicking through. I have I happen to have an issue of Famitsu here on the table with me, and uh, so yeah, it does. It covers like all the. It's got a lot of fan content in it too. Like there's there's people. People submit their own drawings, there's questions, there's little guides for people, like excerpts from manga. There's a lot in the magazine. It kind of covers all bases. Right, right. So it's a thick, it's a thick magazine, even though yeah. most, you know, 60% of it is adverts. Um, and a lot of these adverts, they look like articles. Like they're written <laughs> with a... The only way you can distinguish them from the actual articles is they have the copyright Sanrio down the bottom. <laughs> well, well, they they should have those on the articles themselves, but you know yeah. they they kind of delete that bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think we um I think we talked up uh, for Mitsu enough, right? I think that's a pretty good feature. I enjoyed it. Of course you did. Anything one, involving one, trolling. Yeah, one <laughs> final point that it's in the Polygon article again, and this is the part that actually really did shock me, is uh. So there's one paragraph where they say, Weekly Famitsu allow game publishers to pay them to write specific stories or to add to game previews. So they actually, they straight up say, yeah, if a game publisher wants to pay us to make their game sound better, we'll do it. Yep. <laughs> and, it, and it's not even it's not even an embarrassing thing. He just flat out says it in the interview. So. Yeah, I think they also say, but they don't do that for reviews. I think he does kind of uh, try and cover yeah, the bases if, there. Yeah, if they say if they're writing a review, they don't let them the affect what they're writing. So yeah, yeah. wink, cool wink. Story. <laughs> Tell me another one. Cool. Okay, so next up, we're going to go on to some uh, of your tweets and messages. Okay, so uh, the first comment we got um, via YouTube, um, which is probably the live episode that the last live episode that we did with me and Ty. Hey. Um, um, both Machinima, Machinim, Machinin thirteen and Nessex sixty four um, said the same comment. Great guys, uh, great show, guys. Really enjoyed it. So Ty, we did something right. Yay! Des- despite your um, greatest effort to. Um, troll everybody. Uh, he still enjoyed it. They still enjoyed it. And uh, it was said it was finally good to see Ty on a live show and uh, keep up the good work and random awesomeness. Yay. So maybe they're talking about uh, looking in Ty's uh, broom cupboard. The, oh, when you, yeah. <laughs> when you, were, you were showing people random things out of your gaming cupboard, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mr... Nicholas NWR, which also I should uh, do a quick correction here. At the beginning of the show, I said I introduced uh, Andrew as the Australian correspondent. I apologize, Nick. Uh, obviously, we have two Australian One correspondents. Of One right. of two. Yes. Um, so, yes, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Um, he said, I think this is in reply to our uh, discussion on the lack of charges. 
coming with the new 3DS in the West. Um, uh, our show went a bit long last time, right, Ty? I think it was yeah. like two and a half hours, and he said his laptop died, and we should have provided him with a charger to Would have been listen nice. to the show. Yeah, true that. And our good friend uh, Russ Greeno, uh, always with a great comment, um, said... It was uh, great to hear us on the latest episode, um, but it would be good to hear it before the new, the next Nintendo console comes out. Uh, I think that was in reference to how late the last episode was, for which uh, I apologize. But um, obviously, Danny was out that show, and I was doing things all by myself, and uh, I'm a bit rusty, and uh, had to recruit help from various people, and... Uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. And also sorry for this episode also not coming out in January like it should have been. But uh, please understand. Please. Please understand. Okay, so uh, I think that about wraps it up. If you want to send us a tweet, um, uh, please uh, mention us at the Famicast, and we'll read it out in the next show. Or if you want to send us a longer uh, question, like um, Mark... Yes, like Mark did. Um, <laughs> then send it to uh, Famicast at NintendoWorldReport.com. Please to be sending. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up the show here with uh, our Twitter handles. Um, uh, Cyrus, why do you go ahead and give away yours first? So um, you can find me at at Celsi. So that's at C E L L S A I. Awesome. And um, could you tell me your uh, a recent interesting tweet that you did, so people can get so, a good uh, idea what you're about? So this is going to be kind of boring, but. One of an, art, an artist I follow, she mentioned that if you're ever on a deadline and you're running behind, don't just stop talking to your employer. Goddamn tell them that you're running behind. Okay, good advice. So, yes. I was, I was hoping you were going to talk about you in a box. No, no, the box has passed, <laughs> but I was in a big box once. You should also check that out. Yeah, no explanation needed there. <laughs> um. Yeah, Sai, sorry, we couldn't really get to know you this episode. I mean, obviously, we, we heard your I voice a lot. I like the wind. <laughs> but it was, um, it was cool having you on. And uh, just quick, quick few uh, rapid-fire questions. Uh, how long have you been in Japan? I've been here three years. Uh, what do you do? I am an English teacher, one of the two posi- positions you can possibly have here. And where do you hail from? I am from Ireland, so... Diagwitch. And what's the best uh, video game console of all time? There is a correct... No, you can say anything you want, but there is a correct answer. The Nintendo console? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so close. The correct answer was the uh, Super Nintendo, but... Uh, that was... That was you you know, didn't let me finish. I was going to go back and retroactively finish my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ty, what were you going to say incorrectly? Oh, yeah. Neo, I, 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 the Super Neo Geo. Neo Geo, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> so... He still owes me my copy of Link to the Past. He never gave it back when I loaned it to him. 
Ty, I said best console, not most expensive console. <laughs> it's the best because it's the most expensive. <laughs> yeah, your parents helped you set it up. So, um, Ty, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, a choice tweet I tweeted was uh, my all-time favorite screenshot of any game. And <laughs> I want you guys to look at it. I've linked it here. Are you looking at this screenshot? How am I looking at this on Skype? Oh, oh. I found it. It's in the Hangout. Oh, yeah, this, wow. is, a, this is a pretty oh, impressive a screenshot. Wow. Pretty amazing. Why don't you guys describe it to me? What jumps out at you? So I'm liking the Battletoad. He's, he's got a good swagger. He's got sunglasses. He's got a pretty high-level bow. Yeah. How about Spider-Man's gear? I would have thought that having a Keyblade would be overpowered for Spider-Man, but the, the Midna's helmet kind of... <laughs> that balances it out a bit. <laughs> what the hell am I looking at? Is this Skyrim? Yes, it's Skyrim. It has transcended Skyrim. Skyrim is no longer for the Nords. <laughs> I even <laughs> like how the, the, the regular Skyrim dude, who's like Mr. Skyrim, is just walking past, and even he's Yo, looking that's... at it going, that's a pretty sick Battletoad. <laughs> Not this shit again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Andrew, go ahead. Okay, um... My Twitter is generally covered in cobwebs almost uh, three sixty five <laughs> days there. But it is uh Koop Troopa, K W O P T R O P A. And um, basically the only thing of interest that I've posted in the last couple of months here, I I managed <laughs> to go to a uh, a shopping mall and found a vending machine that had sticker sets from the eighties still in their original packaging. Nice. And being the uh, uh, memorabilia collector that I am, I had to grab a, a pack of uh, Super Mario stickers from 1989, and uh, they're still intact. They they smelled a little funky when I opened them up, but they uh, they're pretty damn cool. That's awesome. That is cool. Love old stickers. Um, awesome. I guess that only leaves me, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I. I tweeted out a few. I've been tweeting out some pictures of um, uh, Wii U games I've been playing because um, I don't know if you guys have used it, but you can. There's like a, a screen sharing uh, web page that you can access on the Wii U, and you can just tweet out screenshots and stuff, uh, which I found is more it was more useful and faster than using Miiverse. <clears throat> if you want to ask for help for something, <laughs> you can just tweet out a picture immediately as opposed to waiting a few minutes. I've seen some pretty good. Uh, how do I get into this this crouch space in Met Super Metroid? <laughs> yes. Why can't Metroid crawl? <laughs> yeah. I think this exactly. game is bugged. Yes. So I'd like to uh, thank people for helping me out with this uh, Shovel Knight bit I was stuck in. Um, but the probably the most re favorited tweet recently was um, a picture of me downloading Metroid Prime Trilogy which I just tweeted, Hyperbeam Ghetto, deal of the century. And, uh, yeah, it is. It's an awesome game, but like I said earlier, I've only played it for, like, 15 minutes, and, yeah, I can't really talk about it till next time. 
please understand. But if you want to follow me and get on the high patrol get train, it's at Family Complicated. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, so one last thing before we go. Um, kind of a big deal, actually. So obviously this is uh, episode number 49, which is one before the big 5-0. Ooh. It's coming up, guys. Yeah, our 50th episode uh, spectacular anniversary edition, um, version 2, is uh, coming up. Um, it will happen sometime uh, in February. Um, date t TBD. And, but we've got lots of exciting things planned for it. Um, some special guests, some voices you may have not uh, heard of in a while. I'll leave it at that. And uh, yeah, lots of other cool features. And Ty, hopefully a um, fake or real. Yeah, for sure. Yes, so please to look forward to that. Uh, it should be an awesome episode. And I'd like to ask the listeners, if there are any still listening, um, what are your favorite, um, ep what's your favorite episode or moment in the Famicast in our three years we've been on the air and 50 episodes we've been on the air? So, yeah. Please um, email or tweet those at us, and we would appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, talk about those in the show. So that is it. So yeah, I'd just like to thank our super special guests, uh, Mr. Andrew Brown. Thank you. It was fun being here. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And uh, Cyrus, uh, surname, insert surname here. Delaney. Uh, Cyrus Delaney, thank you so much for coming on, man. No problem. Yeah, um, had some great discussions here, and uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I think you uh, brought a lot to the show. Thank you very much. And you didn't talk about fighting games too much, which is a relief. I, I <laughs> feel, well, we did have that entire opening segment about Pokémon, so we got it out of our system. That's relevant. <laughs> That's true. That's all Ty will talk about for the next uh, three episodes. But yes, uh, thank you to everyone for listening, and until our super special 50th episode, Family Dudes out! Peace! Peace! Nintendogs Benny is new title where you raise a Pomeranian. Your Pomeranian might have wrong hair, 
or it might have short hair. But only a true Pokemon master will be able to master Benny's Pokeballs. <laughs>